0: They're offering a 3% match on any retirement funds that you transfer over to Robinhood. So 3% is truly insane. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 57 of The Daily Churn. Today's episode is going to be a recap of all of the things that I churned in January. And January turned out to be a pretty busy month. I went pretty hard in January and not just from a, a churning perspective. I mean, churning wise, we've got a bunch of new credit cards that I opened, uh, a lot of interesting brokerage offers, banks, cell phones, big one on cell phones, meal kits, so all kinds of good stuff. But I was also doing a bit of traveling in January to kick off the year. I think I mentioned it in the the previous episode, but my wife and I went to the Miraval in Arizona. It's one of our favorite Hyatt hotels. I think super underrated because people get scared by the fact it costs 65,000 Hyatt points per night if you're traveling with two people. If you're traveling with one person, I think it's only 45,000. But what a lot of people don't realize is it's all inclusive. All meals are covered. And on top of that, most of the activities there are free. And if you've never heard of the Miraval, of all before you're like, what are activities? What no, so this is basically like camp for adults, it is awesome. I mean they've got pretty much everything going on every hour. Things like slacklining, hiking, mountain biking, yoga, meditation. You can even do more new agey stuff that they're known for. I think Oprah had stayed there like a decade ago. That's sort of their claim to fame. But you can take classes on crystals or Tibetan singing bowls, like pretty much everything. They have a whole schedule of activities and most of these are covered and you can pay additional, but you also get $175 per night as resort credit. So if you're there staying for three nights, even if you booked it on points, you're going to get $525 to spend while you're there, which you could use on activities. But what we like to use it for is for massages because they have an amazing massage spa program. And so we got two massages for free each during our stay, plus a bunch of activities, plus all the free food. And so that's why I think it's one of the best deals around for Hyatt. And for us, we like To do it at the beginning of the year because it kind of really sets the tone for the whole year because it's such a relaxing, rejuvenating kind of an experience. And no, this is not being sponsored by Miraval. My wife was actually like, Can you not do an episode on Miraval, Arizona? Because we don't want a lot of people booking it and making it harder to book. So this is my compromise. I'm just going to mention it briefly here part of the recap that we spent you know a few days there in January and then the other thing that ended up taking a lot of time for me in January was booking a bunch of business class tickets so myself my P2 my wife Plus, my parents were thinking about making a couple Asia trips in 2024 and 2025, and so I ended up booking 10 business class tickets in January, and I still have two more business class tickets to book. I'm waiting for availability for that to open up, but things like Japan Airlines, as an alternative to ANA, we're going to fly their new business class suites that they've upgraded to. May actually do a dedicated episode on this one in the future, but that's sort of why my January got kind of crazy because I churned a lot of stuff. Like I really wanted this year to get off to a good start churning wise. And it definitely did, but also was on vacation plus booking just an obscene amount of business class tickets. I think I probably burnt like a million Amex points plus another like half million Hyatt points. So definitely was in the mode of like, okay, I've zeroed out my Amex balance, which is good. It's something I've been trying to do for a while, but now it's time to reaccumulate. You know, I'm starting from zero. How do I build that up quickly? And that's going to be what a lot of this episode today is gonna to be about. So if you've been following the the live churn tracker that I have on the website, I think someone on there left a comment being like, hey, you seem to be opening a lot of new credit cards uh, lately and that is 100% sure I am because I need to rebuild my balance. But speaking of the live churn tracker, everything that we talk about today can be found on the tracker. You don't need to take notes. I have all of the things that I'm churning along with my own comments and data points and links to all of these churns and you can find all of it at the dailychurnpodcast.com/tracker it's totally free to join and you also get access to the free newsletter which notifies you anytime one of these new episodes comes out along with all of the show notes sent straight to your email so definitely check it out if you haven't but for now let's get back into the January recap because it's a big one today starting with credit cards. I have been going pretty hard on credit cards these last couple months. Um, The big one that posted for my P2 was the Capital One Venture X business card. And that's the one that gave you 150,000 miles for $30,000 of spend. So I opened that for my wife, my P2, and that posted in January. And it actually ended up being 210,000 points because this card gives you two points per dollar. So if you spend $30,000, you're going to get 60,000 points from that spend on top of the 150,000 points as the sign-up bonus. So ended up being 210,000 points total, which in the world of Capital One can be cashed out for $2,100 towards travel. So you can redeem one cent per point towards travel. You can also transfer it to a variety of different travel partners like Cafe, I think is one of them that I recently used. And so there's a lot of value there for a bonus that size. And we like to have those points around because we usually redeem it for things that typically can't be booked on points. So whenever we have a rental car booking, let's say with National, we'll just redeem Capital One points for it because that's how we get our rental car for free. Or if we take a taxi in Mexico, that's definitely not going to be on points. Boom, use the Capital One and redeem the points for that travel expense later, because you have up to 90 days to redeem points for a prior travel related expense. So really useful card. And I actually ended up opening another one this time for myself. So I had my P2 refer me for an easy 25,000 points as a referral bonus. But the main reason I wanted to open it was because they increased the offer or rather they improved the offer. So now instead of having to do $30,000 of spend for 150,000 points, you only needed to do $20,000 of spend. So couldn't really pass up that offer, especially because I'm trying to accumulate more Capital One points currently. And yeah, the approval process, at least for me, was pretty smooth. I've seen some data points, especially over on the Discord where folks are getting denied for the card. I think with Capital One, they are a little more strict. I mean, some things that I think helped us was that we have had our business for multiple years. It makes more than like $1,000 a year. I know some people... Put for their Chase applications, like my business to sole proprietor, it makes $1,000 of revenue a year and Chase doesn't really care. But I think Capital One, they're more like, well, we want you to have like a real business that's generating some amount of revenue. And I've also had the personal Venture X card before, and I currently have a Capital One checking and savings account. And so I think those factors make it a little easier for me to get approved versus someone who's totally new to the Capital One ecosystem. But if you're able to get approved, I think it's a pretty awesome card to have. And I think maybe a question that might have popped up in your head as I'm talking through these Capital One cards is like, oh, okay, $30,000 of spend, $20,000 of spend, that's a lot of spend to make meet in three months. And I 100% agree. And if you are having trouble meeting credit card spend, definitely would recommend checking out some of the deals that I posted, especially the bank funding deals that quite a few of them are still alive. So worth looking into, they're under the deals section of the website. There's also, of course, buying groups, which I did an episode on, I think episode 51, and also how to maximize Kroger fuel points if you want to go the gift card purchasing route. I think that's episode 47. So a lot of different ways to meet spend. And you know, it's not that hard to meet 20K or 30K in a few months if you employ some of those strategies. One other interesting thing that I actually just discovered with Capital One is that I was trying to get the Capital One Business Venture X card shipped quicker. Usually with Chase, you can just call them or message them and ask for expedited shipping. But in the case of Capital One, when I called, they're like, no, it's a brand new card. So we can't expedite the card. It's just going to go out via snail mail and it's going to take a couple weeks. But the agent suggested a pretty interesting alternative. So I didn't prompt this at all. But what he said was like, well, I can't expedite the original card, but I could add a non-human user on your card and have that card shipped over to you instead. And I was like, non-human user, what what, what do you mean? And he's like, yeah, we can just make a new card that's let's say called office expenses and we'll ship the office expenses card over to you. And so, of course, you know, I'm familiar with authorized users on cards, especially with like Amex, it's pretty popular to use like an initial or like a Roman numeral if you want to add additional authorized users that are just sort of yourself. But I've never heard anyone, especially like an agent, explicitly tell me to just like make up names for my authorized user, like office expense, and have it shipped that way. And in the case of Capital One, that was the recommended approach, and that's exactly what he did. I got a FedEx envelope addressed to office expenses that arrived the very next day with my authorized user office expense card. And it's interesting because with Capital One, I think with the Business Venture X as well, authorized users, and don't quote me on this, if someone knows for sure, please let me know, but I think authorized users get access to Capital One Venture X lounges plus two guests. And in the case of Capital One, they don't charge an additional fee for these authorized user cards and they have a 99 authorized user card limit per account. So the gears in my head are sort of turning of like, should I just be sending an authorized user card to everyone I know so that they get access to this Capital One Lounge? Let me know what you guys think about that idea in the comments, because I'm curious if there's any holes to that. But yeah, ended up getting my card super quick so currently working on spend for that. Hopefully the bonus will have that posted in a couple months or so. But in January, I did get P2's Capital One bonus, so 210,000 points from that, plus 25,000 points for referring me, which by the way, if you need a referral link, I have all of my referral links up at com slash referrals. Really appreciate it if you end up using mine. But tallying that, it's the 210 plus 25 for 235,000 points from Capital One in January. Then I also had another pretty big credit card bonus post in January, the Southwest Performance Business Card. That one I'd opened, it was 80,000 miles for $5,000 of spend. And I did it to try and get the companion pass, which would last from 2024 all the way through the end of 2025. So two years worth of free travel for my P2. If you're not familiar with how companion pass works, I did an episode, episode 10 on it, and there's also a great Reddit FAQ that I'll link to in the show notes that basically answers every possible question you might have about getting companion pass using credit cards. But for me, mine posted early in January, right in time for our Miraval trip. And it was really close, actually. It almost didn't happen because I sort of mistimed the spend a little bit where I ended up being 2,000 miles short of companion pass. So you need 135,000 miles. I had 133,000 miles post in January and I was like, crap, I have a trip in like a week. And it was too late to put more spend on the card because that spend wouldn't post until February and I needed to spend now. So I did a bunch of research and I've discovered, which you know, I think might be obvious to a lot of you already, is that Southwest has a shopping portal. So similar to like Rakuten or Capital One Shopping or any of these shopping portals, you can earn Southwest miles by purchasing things through their portal and their promotions. And one of the promotions was if you order HelloFresh, you'll get 2,500 points. And these points seem to post pretty quickly, like within a few days. Like the shopping portal tells you how quickly it posts and it listed it as like within a week. So I was like, okay, this could work. But I also wasn't totally sure, you know, does HelloFresh give you the points immediately or after your first order ships or they wait 30 days? Like none of that was really clear. So to hedge my bets... I also bought some stuff at Lululemon because Lululemon had a promo on the shopping portal where you get five points per dollar. So I just bought like $500 worth of Lululemon stuff. And so for the next week after making those purchases, I was just daily checking my Southwest app to see if the points had posted and they just didn't post, you know, it just kept not posting until... The day of the flight, I'd already pretty much given up on the companion pass at this point and I'd already booked my P2, a $400 flight on Southwest. And we were sitting in the parking shuttle, like I'd parked my car and we were taking the shuttle to the terminal and I opened the Southwest app and I just gave it like one last check. And the points had posted from HelloFresh and I had companion pass. So now I'm in the shuttle and my inner optimizer just totally kicked in where I had P2 open up Southwest on her phone to cancel her flight. And then on my phone, I was going to quickly rebook a companion pass on that flight because it looked like there was still a couple seats left and the cell service was pretty crappy because we were inside a shuttle in the middle of nowhere at an airport. And yeah, in the period of about five minutes, I was able to cancel hers and rebook her for free using my companion pass, and it literally saved $400 because that's $400 she didn't have to pay for her flight, which she'd already checked into, by the way. So she had to cancel her flight check-in and then recheck-in for a flight and get a crappy number on Southwest, but it didn't matter because I could save a seat for her. It was a whole thing, especially at like 5 a.m. in the morning, but... You know, the the curse of being an optimizer, which in this case, I would say turned out to be a blessing. I mean, five minutes of work for $400 is probably worth optimizing for. So I'm definitely counting that $400 in the tally this month because we had already spent $400, so that was money that we'd committed that we got back. And also, I ended up getting a couple Southwest referrals, one from my dad. I'd gotten him to open the Southwest Performance business card as well. That was a big win because that was his first foray into churning. And he hit the spend within three months completely organically because I'm like, you know, people just spend $5,000 in three months. And he was like, wow, that was really easy. (laughs) And I also referred him to the personal Premier card, which gives you another 50,000 miles, which he needed in order to get companion pass because if you're not familiar with the companion pass calculation, it's you need 135,000 miles in one calendar year to get companion pass for this year and the following year. And they also give you a 10,000-point bonus for holding one of the credit cards. So you only actually need to get 125,000 points. So if you open that personal Premier card, that's 50,000 points. And then you open the Performance Business for 80,000 points. That's 130,000 points right there. And that's enough to get companion pass. In my case, actually, ended up being a little easier thanks to referring my dad because I opened the performance card for eighty thousand. Then I referred him to the performance card and the personal premiere card. Each of those referrals is worth twenty thousand, and referral points count towards companion pass. So I got eighty thousand plus twenty thousand plus twenty thousand equals one hundred and twenty thousand. Then you're only 5,000 points short of Companion Pass, which you can get just from spending money on the card or doing a thing like Lululemon or HelloFresh through the shopping portal. So it ended up being a really great month for Southwest points because I got the points, I think ended up being about 125,000 Southwest points, plus got Companion Pass, which is a, a great win and carries us forward for two years of free flights for my wife. Another couple of Chase cards that we opened in January for my P2, I had her open the Chase Inc. Unlimited card. I'd been meaning to open it for a while and right when she was about to open, the card offer dropped from 90,000 points for $6,000 of spend to 75,000 points for $6,000 of spend, which was a bit of a bummer. But luckily, I'd read data points on Doctor of Credit where you could get matched to that 90,000 point offer still. So that's what I did for her. I referred her to that 75,000-point offer so that I would get 40,000 points. She would get 75. sent a secure message saying, hey, there's a 90,000-point offer out there. Could you match to it? Got a confirmation that they would match once she's met the spend. So once she's done with the spend on that, it ends up being 130,000 points total. So 75K plus the 15K for the match plus the 40K for referring her. And also right before that offer died, the public offer I think went away on January 18th or the 21st. Right before it died, I also just YOLO'd one more Chase Inc. 75k offer because I wanted to be able to match it to that 90k. And yeah, it was a success too. I sent a secure message asking to match, they confirmed, just meet the spend as well. And so I'll also get 130,000 points from that ink card once I finish my $6,000 of spend. And it was sort of just the, you know, one last hurrah before the ink train. It's still alive. You can still do these ink cards and get referral bonuses, but they're not quite as good as they were when there were 90,000 points. But yeah, glad to have squeezed in one more of these cards and probably just going to take a little break from Chase for a while, let things kind of cool down. So nothing posted from those inks in January, but in February, I'm expecting like... 260,000 chase points to post. So definitely looking forward to that. But in January, I also YOLO'd an Amex Business Gold card right before the annual fee and the changes went into effect on February 1st. I think I did my Hail Mary application on January 31st right before the increases in the annual fee. So I think I locked in the $295 annual fee was instantly approved. And I wasn't expecting to be approved because if you've been listening to these recaps, I've been trying to open these Amex cards for a while. I've been stuck in pop-up jail for quite a while now where you get that pop-up saying, hey, you're not eligible for the sign-up bonus because of your account history. And yeah, as early as like, I think early January, I tried to, again, get the Amex offer on the business gold card and got the same pop-up. But for whatever reason, on January 31st, when I tried, it let it through and yeah just really excited about that because i also was able to pull up the increased 150,000 point offer using a vpn through dallas and by searching american express platinum on google clicking that link in safari and then browsing into the gold card from the amex platinum page so a bit of a convoluted step but i was able to reliably pull up this offer pretty much every time. And if you're not in the market for the business gold, now that the fees increased, I think that 190,000 point platinum offer is still available through the VPN process. And I'll link to the uh, the great post by Miles Ernenburn that tipped me off to this process. Still working on spend for this card though. It's a pretty new card, so nothing to report bonus-wise for the January recap on that one. But In terms of Amex stuff that did post in January, I did get a $350 credit as a retention offer on P2's Morgan Stanley platinum card. If you're not familiar with the Morgan Stanley flavor, I did an episode on it. Let me see, I think it was episode 38 on how to open this Morgan Stanley card. The main benefit with the Morgan Stanley card is you get a free authorized user. So instead of paying $175 for the authorized user, it's free. And so I'm an authorized user on there and it's great for things like lounge access because now Amex Platinum Centurion lounges require one Amex Platinum per person trying to get into the lounge. But anyhow, the annual fee had come up. It was due again at six ninety-five, dollars and I just used the Amex online chat. You don't even have to call in to ask what kind of offers there were, you know, as a retention offer. And on the third and final offer, they offered $350 back if you spend $4,000 on the card. And that was the highest retention offer I could get. I mean, it's always good practice when you ask for these offers to just keep asking, is there any other offers? And then eventually they'll just be like, this is the best offer we have. There are no other offers, but everyone's offers are going to vary. So I think the way they decide who gets what offer is just based on how much money you've spent on the card, how long you've had the card open, all kinds of factors, but definitely worth asking for a retention offer before you just go out and cancel the card. So in January, P two got the three hundred and fifty from that Morgan Stanley Amex Platinum retention. Then tallying up everything else as well, there was the two hundred and thirty five thousand Capital One miles, one hundred and twenty five thousand Southwest miles, four hundred dollars from that Southwest discount for a total of three hundred and sixty thousand miles and seven hundred and fifty dollars. So pretty big month for credit cards. I mean, if you kind of just convert that into cash. Those Capital One miles are worth 1 cent per point. Southwest miles are worth about 1.3 cent per point, conservatively. So that Capital One bonus of 235,000 points is worth $2,350. The Southwest bonus of 125,000 points is worth $1,625 if you multiply by 1.3. Plus the $750 from Southwest Bookings and Morgan Stanley. The whole thing ends up being $4,725 just from credit card bonuses in January. So really, really great month when you look at it like that. All right, next up we have brokerages. Pretty busy month in January for brokerages. There was a couple big bonuses that I was focused on from Robinhood. And you know I know there's conflicting feelings. Out there about Robin Hood. In fact, there's a like a 12, 13, 14 page boggleheads thread about these bonuses. And half the people in the thread are just basically hating on Robin Hood. And the other half are like, this is an amazing offer. Like, let's forget about the fact that it's Robin Hood offering it for a second, but it's legitimately a good offer. And I'm kind of in that camp as well because everything ultimately is being insured by the SIPC. So no matter how you feel about you know, Robinhood's ethics or their liquidity and their potential of being bankrupt or being bought out, like it's sort of not that relevant to the bonus itself because at worst, you'll be able to get your investments back from the SIPC, assuming you're investing less than $500,000 per account. So I read the whole Boggleheads thread. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. But after reading it, I felt pretty comfortable doing the bonus. And so the first of the bonuses is that Robinhood was giving a 1% match on any money that you transfer over into Robinhood. What was unique about this was that the 1% was uncapped. So we've seen better offers before. I even did an episode, I think episode 34 on public, back when public was offering $2,000 if you transfer in $100,000 of assets. So that's like 2%, right? 2% return is the bonus pretty good. In the case of Robinhood, it's only 1%, but it's uncapped. You can transfer in as much as you want. Like There were jokes about, well, if I transfer in a billion dollars, Robinhood is going to give me $10 million. In theory, yes. If anyone has done that in practice, I would love to hear the data point. But if you're able to do that, you're probably not listening to a churning podcast. But in our case, you know, we were planning on transferring definitely less than $500,000, so the money would be SIPC insured, and getting an extra 1% return on the money transferred seemed like a great deal. That's just basically an improvement on your market return, because remember, you're transferring over stocks right? Assets that are already invested in the market. So this is an additional gain on that money. This isn't like you're transferring in 200K from a checking account and now you only get a 1% bonus. That wouldn't be a good deal because your 200K isn't earning anything. But if it's already in the market, this is just like a sweetener on top. The only requirement is that you hold that money at Robinhood for two years if you don't want them to take any of that bonus back which that was the part I was conflicted about because I do brokerage bonuses. I, you know, in a given year, maybe move our funds three, maybe four different places to get that bonus. But 1% is pretty good and not having to do that for a couple years, yeah, you know, that's, that's good. That's time saved not having to chase other brokerage bonuses. So it was sort of like a, both a pro and a con that there was a two-year holding period. So I did that one right on the cutoff as well. You just had to have initiated the ACATS transfer by January 31st, which is when the offer expired. I think they bring this offer back periodically. So even if you've missed it, you know, keep an eye out and this might come back around. The other Robinhood brokerage bonus, which is still available and goes through April 30th, although I probably wouldn't wait till the last minute in case they do decide to pull this one because it's a pretty crazy offer, is that they're offering a 3% match on any retirement funds that you transfer over to Robinhood. So 3% is truly insane. Like 1%, you could be like, okay, you know, sometimes there's better deals elsewhere. 3% is the best that I've ever seen for retirement funds. Usually, you don't get bonuses on retirement funds. Most brokerage offers are specifically for your taxable accounts. They exclude retirement funds. There's some exceptions to that, and when there is an exception, I definitely tackle it. Like that Wells Fargo $2,500 brokerage bonus last year that both P2 and I did. That didn't exclude retirement funds, so we definitely moved our retirement funds over to Wells Fargo. But that's you know more the exception than the rule. In the case of this Robinhood offer, there's specific specifically targeting retirement funds at 3%. So if you read the Boggleheads thread, you know, People do the rough calculation. Well, look, you probably don't want to transfer more than five hundred thousand dollars because you want to be insured by SIPC. And just keep in mind that SIPC five hundred K insurance is per account, so it's not per your entire Robinhood account. It's per account type that you open at Robinhood. So you could have a Roth IRA account, you could have a traditional IRA account, you could have a taxable account. Each one of those is insured at five hundred K. But the rough math is, you know, if you're able to move over five hundred K from a retirement fund into Robinhood, Robinhood will immediately post a $15,000 bonus. That's 3% of $500,000. That's pretty insane. That's a massive bonus that they give you immediately. And it's like, it's not like they're waiting till. The holding period ends. And that is the main downside of this bonus is that there is a five-year holding period on your retirement funds. But they give you the bonus upfront. And if you dip below the amount that you transferred and the amount that they gave you a bonus for, they're going to deduct it from either your cash balance or they'll just take it via ACH from your linked bank account. So there's no really getting around the five-year rule. The other less than ideal part with this bonus is that Roth conversions are counted as you withdrawing out of the account, which would impact how much of the bonus you get. So if you are doing Roth conversions and you convert, let's say, I don't know, 100k out of the account, that's 100K less of the bonus that you're technically eligible for. And Robinhood will deduct that bonus amount, even if you're converting into another account at Robinhood. So that's the kind of crappy, annoying part and is making some people be like, well, I don't know if I want to do it. And definitely that's sort of our case too. I just did an episode a couple episodes ago about Roth conversions. And so we're definitely planning on doing Roth conversions. On my end, though, I'm just like, I think it's still worth it. You know, I don't know how much Roth conversions I'm going to do in the next five years. And if Robinhood has to take some of the bonus away, that's fine. That's understandable. But in the off chance I don't convert that much, it's a 3% bonus that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Like That's an extra 0.6% market return every year for five years. I don't know of any other promotion or brokerage that's offering that kind of an increased guaranteed return that you receive up front. So that's on my plate to do. I have until April 30th. There is, of course, some risk that too many people do this and Robinhood pulls it early. So if you're interested, you may want to get to it in the next few weeks or next month. I'm going to try and knock that out in February. Then there was another brokerage bonus that popped up on my radar that I was kind of procrastinating on until a few days ago, which is the M1 finance referral bonus. That's where you get $250. So each party, the party being referred and the party referring, gets $250 if you make a $10,000 deposit, which in itself is not that great, but the $10,000 only needs to stay in the account for 30 days. And that's what makes it really great if you have $10,000 lying around parked somewhere else. This could be a good place to park for 30 days. Plus if you have a P2, that's really when things like get really good because now you can also refer your P2. So if you get 250 for joining using a referral, then you refer a P2, you get another 250 and your P2 gets 250. Ends up being $750 for parking $20,000, in that case, for 30 days. So a really easy bonus to tackle. And yeah, it's a pretty nice website to use there. It's pretty smooth, I signed up pretty quickly. Once you sign up, you can open an invest account and then transfer cash into that invest account. The deposit, I think, showed up within a day. And once the deposit shows up is when you can then refer other people because I had to wait for that to be able to refer my P2. And at least the data points I'm seeing on Discord, the bonus also posts pretty quickly, like within a few days. The only mildly, I guess, annoying thing about M1 is that, you know, their whole gimmick is pies and slices. I feel like every brokerage now has to have some kind of a gimmick to sort of stand out. And M1 went with your portfolio is a pie and you can pick slices. So you don't invest in stocks, you invest in slices. And so that took me a minute just to wrap my head around because I was just trying to buy S-Gov. That's where I tend to park cash when it's doing a brokerage bonus because it earns interest and it's really easy to sell and buy. S-Gov is just short-term treasury bonds, an ETF for short-term treasury bonds. So I was trying to buy S-Gov, but instead I had to make one slice, make a slice for SGOV, and then invest the 10K into the pie, which contains the one slice, which I think then means it will be all invested in SGOV. But yeah, it just it just seemed unnecessarily complicated when I could just invest in stocks directly. But you know, hey, if it works for them, good for them. They're giving out referral bonuses for joining. So can't really complain. And yeah, the $250, it is only available if you join via a referral. I used Couch's referral over on Discord. Thank you, Couch, for sharing that one. If you need one, I'll have mine up on the referrals page on the website. If you end up using it, definitely let me know. Really appreciate it. And I'll give you a shout out in the next episode. Finally, on the brokerages front, I got a couple bonuses from Moomoo. We all remember Mumu, right? That was my churn of the year last year because I made $15,000 from Mumu, but... These bonuses were for transferring in assets. So transferring in $3,000 into Moomoo, they would give you $100 for doing that. Previously, it was transfer $2,000, they'll give you $100. The latest iteration is transfer in $10,000, they'll give you $100. I think they're trying to test out how much people will transfer in for $100. $3,000 is about the upper limit for me. And so I did that for both myself and P2, moved in $3,000, bought s waited, sold s got the $100. The only thing with the $100 is the way Moomoo pays out is it pays out in a coupon that you redeem. And the way to redeem coupons is to make a trade. And the coupon usually has the terms of the trade listed on the coupon. So that was all pretty smooth. Both myself and P2 got the $100, but trying to get the money out of MooMoo, they've unfortunately implemented some additional hurdles. And these hurdles are designed to essentially stop you withdrawing money out of Moomoo. So when I initiated my withdrawal for $3100, I got a text from Moomoo that was like, we need to talk to you about your withdrawal. Like it made it sound like there was an issue with my withdrawal and you have to respond yes to the text message for them to continue talking to you about it. Turns out this was 100% just a marketing thing because the second I said yes, I ended up over the course of 4 hours getting four separate phone calls from four different numbers, so four different Moomoo reps, every hour would call me, and the voicemail they left was basically, hey, if you cancel your withdrawal, we'll give you 5% in a savings account or you know whatever Moomoo's version is, but they're just trying to incentivize you to not withdraw money out. And of course, I just ignored all of that, and it was fine. The next day, they stopped because that's when the withdrawal would be too late to cancel by then. But then the next day, I got a different message from Moomoo saying, hey, we need you to verify yourself before we can finalize your withdrawal. Keep in mind, I've withdrawn a lot of money out of Moomoo over the months, and this has never happened before. So this is a new thing. So this new thing is now you have to take a picture of the front and back of your ID in the app, upload it, then do the full selfie thing, you know, position your face, get closer, get closer, yep, takes a picture of your selfie. And that's when they finally released the funds. Luckily, they at least verified pretty quickly, like within an hour of doing all of that, they released the funds. But here's where it gets extra annoying, which is that for P2, I also went into a draw and I'm like, maybe it's cause I try to take out $3,000. Let me just try taking out $1,000. Maybe we can skip some of these steps. Nope, she still had to do the whole verification thing. Okay, fine. All right. Now let me take out the remaining $2,000. Oh, she has to re-verify again. So this verification ID selfie step is every single time now that you withdraw, even though they verified you before and even though we've already withdrawn tens of thousands of dollars from Moomoo in the past without having to do any of these steps. So really a little bit disappointing to see Mumu take the path of implementing some of these more like shadow evil UI practices to try and get people to not take their money out. They're not quite as bad as some other firms. I mean, this this must be a trend now of using verification as an excuse to prevent you taking money out. So case in point, Acorns, another fintechy investment platform, their whole thing is that even though you had five other people join with the referral and you're supposed to be eligible for like a thousand dollar bonus, if we can't technically verify those five people that you signed up for, then we don't have to give you the bonus, right? And so that's sort of their play. And there's been a lot of discussion over on the Discord about Acorns is basically just scamming you using their verification steps. You know, They're not paying out these referral bonuses People are filing like CFPB complaints and other things. And so I'm glad Moomoo hasn't gone that far, but it is a little troubling to see that verification now is the new scam, basically. But in any case, tallying up the brokerage churns in January, there's a lot of things in motion. But in terms of the things that actually posted, it was just those two Moomoo transfer bonuses for $100 each for $200 total in brokerages in January. Moving on to banks, had a couple things that I'm working on with banks, Fidelity Bloom. If you have that account from last year, they had some sign-up bonuses. If you still have those accounts, they're doing a 10% match if you deposit $300. And they seem to be doing that every year. It keeps saying it's gonna expire this year, but they keep extending it. And so I did that for both myself and P2. Pretty easy one, you know, just deposit 300 and wait for the $30. Mine hasn't posted yet. So hopefully that will post sometime time in February. In terms of things that did post for banks, I got a security plus $100 referral for referring my P2, and that was just paid out as a $100 Amazon gift card. I think they must have processed the whole batch at the end of January or early February because I'm seeing a lot of data points on Discord from folks getting their $100. And keep in mind that email says, here's your $50 bonus, but when you click it, it's actually a $100 bonus. So I guess that's one way to Sort of make people feel happy is to disappoint them and then surprise them immediately after I also got some upgrade referrals, so upgrade recently doubled their sign up bonus if you join via referral from $100 to two hundred dollars for the person joining and then it's still fifty dollars for you know the person referring but 200 is pretty good because the only requirement is that you deposit $1,000 within 40 days to get $200. So a really great return. But I think at this point, most people listening to the show have already signed up for it. But if you haven't, pretty easy one to take advantage of. I ended up getting five referrals in January for $250. Yeah, I think it was a combination of, I also posted my referral link on the DOC referral thread. Definitely recommend always doing that when you see one of those threads. And then also some listeners from the show. So if that was you big thanks. Really appreciate that because I ended up getting the 250 from Upgrade plus 100 from Security Plus for a total of $350 from banks in January. And that $350 was entirely from referrals. And I guess just a quick tangent on referrals because I've had a, a couple comments from folks on the previous recap. One person suggested like hey, you know, maybe you don't want to include referrals in these recaps, maybe just hide those numbers or just leave them out or break them out because Otherwise, your numbers are kind of skewed towards referrals and not everyone's getting a whole lot of referrals. Like I get it, you know, definitely having a podcast about churning helps to get referrals and most people don't have a podcast. But that said, I will say that like referrals are such a big part of churning that I wouldn't want to like not include the referral numbers in my tallies because I think the biggest thing if you're a solo player, like you don't have a player two, you know, you don't have a P2, a wife, a spouse, a partner is to go out there and get a P2. And I don't mean that like get a romantic partner. Your P2 doesn't have to be someone that you're romantically involved with. It's just your player two for churning. I know people who manage 10 plus players. They include relatives, friends, acquaintances, colleagues. Like getting a P2 is going to have such a big impact because so many of these offers are referral only. So being able to double or triple dip on a referral by referring each other really is going to make you a lot of money. But even outside of having a P2, which is definitely the the easiest route, there are other ways of getting referral bonuses. You know, DOC posts referral threads, doctor of credit, posts referral threads for most of these referral bonuses. So I post my referral link on there whenever I see one. That was one of my main ways of getting referrals prior to obviously having a podcast. DOC Referral Threads, Reddit has the churning referrals subreddit. You can post on there. Our deals discord also has a referrals channel where you can share and request referrals. So there are a variety of options out there to get referrals if you're willing to be a little proactive. You know, They're not just going to come to you. You have to go out there and seek them. And So that would be kind of my homework to you if you're doing the whole churning thing solo and you're not getting any referral bonuses is to go out there and, you know, try and convince someone to be your P2. It doesn't have to be a romantic thing. Or if that just is just like, absolutely, you don't want to do that. Use some of these places that I mentioned to share your link, you know, post it there. Because I think doing some of these things is going to have a way bigger impact to your overall churning game than just doing one of these bonuses that I mentioned in the recap. So that was my quick uh, tangent two cents on referrals and churning, which is that referrals are a pretty big part of churning. If you're not doing them, you're you're kind of missing out a little bit. You don't need a podcast to get referrals. But getting back to the recap, we're going to do cell phones next because January, amazing month for cell phones. The big thing that happened in cell phone land in January for myself and P2 was that our T-Mobile keep and switch $800 rebates posted for both of us. So $1,600 total. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, I posted a deal for this. I think the title was almost free iPhone 15 pros a few months ago. I think back in September, you can go to the dailychurnpodcast.com slash deals to see it. You do need to be subscribed. Two deals in order to get access to it, but I may just make it into its own dedicated episode in the future because it was really smooth. Like I didn't wanna make an episode about it and then have it not work. But I've fully vetted it now, along with a lot of people in the deals discord. We're all getting our bonuses. That $1,600 from T-Mobile came in the form of a prepaid card that you can choose to have deposited straight into your bank account. I didn't know better, and I put it into Cash App, and then we drew it that way. But you don't even need to go through that step. They're literally just going to give you $1,600 in essentially cash for doing the keep and switch program. Quick TLDR is, you know, T-Mobile is going to pay you $800 per phone to move over to T-Mobile, but you don't have to keep your service at T-Mobile. Once they give you the money, you can just cancel T-Mobile. So that's kind of the, the deal in a nutshell. But if you need more guidance and more details, check out the post. It's still live and kicking. My P2 and I initiated it back in September when the iPhone 15s came out. And it took about four months end to end to get the bonus, but the program has been around since I think 2020. My friend was the one who first tipped me off to this, that he's like, hey, you know, I'm getting a free iPhone every year and this is how you do it. And yeah, it's been around for four plus years now. So I feel like it's probably going to stick around for a while, which is why I'm a little more comfortable sharing it publicly with you guys, but definitely an amazing deal. Ended up getting $1,600 from T-Mobile in January. In other cell phone news, both myself and P2 got a $26 check from Apple for the Apple replacement device lawsuit settlement. Bit of a mouthful. Uh, both got that. I don't even remember when we filed for that settlement. I think it was something to do with like getting a refurb unit when you return or replace something under warranty. In any case, we both got $26 for an easy $52, but on the topic of settlements, Verizon also sent out an email about the Verizon postpaid class action settlement which I think is something about Verizon overcharging you something on the Verizon bill. So both myself and P2 ended up filling out that form. I don't know when it's going to post. I think you have until April to fill it out. So if you've had Verizon service sometime in the last decade-ish, you could be eligible. And it's always worth filling out these settlement things because sometimes it's a dollar, but sometimes it's like $100. Like You never know. And it only takes a minute of your time. And I ended up being eligible, both myself and P2, because, well, we got Verizon. Verizon service temporarily just to do the T-Mobile keep and switch deal. And so we became eligible. I think that means we're not going to get much money because we only had Verizon service for a few months before we switched over to T-Mobile. But again, I'll post a link to it in the show notes. See if you're eligible, fill it out. Maybe you'll get a bigger check than we'll get. But tallying everything up from cell phones in January, it was $1,600 from T-Mobile and $52 from Verizon for a total of $1,652. Finally, we have Meal Kits. So I've been getting back into the Meal Kits game. I, you know, I did an episode on Meal Kits. It was one of the first episodes I did. I think episode two or three. And for a good year or so, we were eating meal kits every day. I have like hundreds of meal kit recipe sheets, the papers they send you, stacked like it's two feet high, you know, because I was like, maybe I'll cook these recipes again in the future. So we kept them all. So I was going pretty hard on meal kits for a while. But last year really kind of took a break from them because we're like, hey, let's just do some more of our own cooking. And that's been great. But they got me back again this year because they sent a mailer. So HelloFresh will periodically send these comeback offer mailers. And you got to keep an eye out because there's so many different permutations of the comeback offer, but there's one specific one that's really good. And it comes in the form of just a flyer. It's not one of those that comes in a little padded envelope with a little business card type deal. This HelloFresh one comes in just like a rectangular sheet, like a little flyer. And those ones are 75% off of the first box if you come back and reactivate. And these are the best offers because 75% off of a box is better than a free box because a free box, often those codes limit you to how much you can put in that free box. It'd be like three meals or two meals for two or three people. But the 75% offers are unlimited. You can pack that box to the brim. And packing a box to the brim means putting six meals for free, Four people into one box, so essentially twenty-four meals, and it's a two hundred dollar box. But because you have a seventy-five percent offer, you only pay fifty dollars instead of two hundred dollars. So fifty dollars for twenty-four meals is a really good deal, even by like the Lean Fire subreddit standards. I think what is that two dollars a meal? That's pretty reasonable for a pretty good meal too. Like it includes meat and all this stuff. And HelloFresh is one of our favorite meal kit services. But in our case in January, it ended up being even better than that, which is that they messed up and sent that box twice. So, in the period of like two days, we received two of those boxes. So, instead of six meals for four people, 12 meals for four people. So, instead of 24 meals, we got 48 meals for just two people, for just me and my wife. And it was actually a little overkill because now you have to cook all of those meals before they go bad. It was like, uh, have you ever played that game Overcooked? It's like Overcooked, but in real life. So we ended up actually just freezing a lot of the food. But basically these last few weeks have just been nonstop HelloFresh cooking. And I think I may have to take another meal kit break unless they send another one of these offers, which you can't say no to these offers. But The pro tip, I guess the shitty life pro tip that I'm going to share with you with HelloFresh if you end up ordering this much food is that cooking for eight people, cooking the same recipe for eight people is about the same effort as cooking that recipe for two people. So what we ended up doing was we not only doubled the HelloFresh recipe, but because we got two boxes duplicate, we quadrupled the HelloFresh recipes. And so we would just cook for eight each time we made one of these recipes and then just refrigerate the leftovers and just eat that for the next few meals. So... It's been a fun month of HelloFresh, but I'm going to count the discount this time. Usually I don't count my meal kit discounts as like earnings because, you know, I wouldn't have paid full price. But in this case, I think I'm going to count $150 because that's how much we saved on one of these boxes. And we got two of those boxes. And so we saved at least $150 in Costco and Whole Foods shopping by just eating HelloFresh for a few weeks. And on the topic of HelloFresh, I'm also gonna count the shopping portal, the Southwest Shopping Portal miles that I got from ordering HelloFresh through the Southwest Shopping Portals, 2,500 miles as like a promotional thing. And you know, if you remember from earlier in the episode, that's how we got our Companion Pass, and I do have those miles now in my account. And you know, that whole shopping portal thing—it's a pretty interesting thing because you could potentially just earn Companion Pass using just the shopping portal. And it's not just with Southwest. Every airline has their own shopping portal. And so there are you know accounts and data points of people getting status through the shopping portals if you can find enough things to buy at a good enough deal. But tallying up the meal kit stuff, it was the 150 in discounts from those two boxes plus 2,500 Southwest points, which is worth about $33. Then tallying up all the churns from January, starting with credit cards, there was that 360,000 points from Southwest and Capital One, plus $700 from Southwest and Morgan Stanley. Brokerages, $200 from Moomoo. Banks, $350 from Security Plus and Upgrade Referrals. Cell phones, $1,652 from T-Mobile and the Verizon settlement. Meal kits, the $150 from HelloFresh and $2,500 Southwest points for a total of $3,052 plus $362,500 points. Pretty massive month, especially for the beginning of the year. My goal is still the same, just to make $1,000 each month churning. And that blew it out of the water. I mean, if we just convert that real quick into the cash equivalent instead of just, you know, tracking points and cash separately, if we just made those points cash at their bare minimum value, we would end up with $7,110 total in cash and cash equivalents just from churning in one month. And only one thousand of that was from referrals, so the bulk of it six thousand dollars of that it was just for me going out there and and churning so if you're feeling a little down about like not having a bunch of referrals or not having a p two you can still get pretty far just as a solo churner, so hopefully that motivates you a little bit to just go out there and and do some churning and for me. I'm going to try and take it a, a little easier in February cuz January was a, a pretty crazy month. Like even just outside of training, which I I try and keep to under 20 hours a week, but the rest of the time was spent researching and booking those flights and trying out all of the new tools that are out there now like seats.aero, point.me, max my rewards, all those things. And maybe I'll I'll document this whole process actually in in an episode in the future, but Yeah, ready for Feb to be just a little more chill. But in the meantime, if you want to stay up to date on what it is I am churning in February, definitely check out the live churn tracker because I post everything I churn in real time there and keep that pretty up to date. There's also a deals discord that I mentioned a few times in the episode. It is a private paid discord where we talk about a lot of the deals that are a little too sensitive to be shared publicly on a podcast with a a few thousand listeners. So definitely check it out if you've been looking to kind of up your churning game a bit and be a part of a community that's quite positive and, and helpful and I think pretty unique in the churning space. I think just a big shout out to everyone who joined in the last few weeks for not just supporting the show, but also for kind of embracing that vibe and helping to perpetuate it and and keep it as positive and helpful as it is. And yeah, if you're new to the Discord, I just posted a Discord recap, a best of Discord of 2023 in January to kind of help you get up to speed, because I know it is a lot. It's a bit of a fire hose sometimes. So I've curated some of the best comments and posts. Apologies if I missed one of yours. I, I try and read everything in the Discord, but I do miss some things occasionally as well. But yeah, check it out. It's a pretty big post with a lot of useful stuff in there. And going forward, I plan to send out one of these monthly Discord recaps each month For those of you that, you know, aren't able to just be on Discord 24-7. So yeah, you can find all of that online at thedailychurnpodcast.com. Otherwise, I will catch you all in a couple weeks for another episode. Thanks again for tuning in. See ya.